say, hey, Lord, which battle? you want me to fight this battle, or is this, is this one you're going to do? So to do this, we need to know what battles we've been called to fight. We need to know what battles we've been called to fight. And that's between you and God. And not between you and somebody else to tell you which battles you're called to fight. Now, you might have a Christian brother that's standing with you and standing to fight and hold your arms up in prayer, but or maybe even be an armor bearer to say, okay, here, try this first, try this first. But you can't have somebody tell you which battles to fight. that you're in a spiritual battle? As a Christian, you have an enemy that wants to destroy your walk with the Lord every moment of your life here on earth. Since Satan can't harm God, he tries to ruin God's children. Today, Pastor Mark will be reminding us that the only way we can be successful in the spiritual battle is by giving it over to the Lord. The Bible says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Sometimes we try to overcome our flesh and temptations in our own strength, And too often, we're left defeated. We simply need to cooperate with the work and power of the Holy Spirit in us. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25 with today's edition of Come Alive. 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 1 says, Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding in the hill of Hakalah, opposite Jeshimon? And then Saul arose, and he went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him, to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hakila, which is opposite of Jeshmon by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. And David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose, and he came to the place where Saul had encamped, and David saw that place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. And now Saul lay within the camp, with the people encamped all around him. Now, if you remember a little bit, as we read through this chapter, this chapter is almost the same as 1 Samuel chapter 24. And I say almost the same because depending on who you ask, some people will tell you it's exactly the same. But I don't know. I'm not that smart. So the way I read it and the way I see it, to me, they're similar. Almost the same circumstance and the same situation. It's a, like a repeat performance, um, some would say, but just a different location. And you might ask, why? Why, why would this happen? Why, why does this happen? So because in this chapter, God gives Saul the chance to succeed, and he gives David the opportunity or the chance to fail. Now, some of you might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did I hear you right? Did you just say that God wants David to fail? No. I didn't say that God wants David to fail. What I said is, he gives, God gives David the chance to fail. Now, he doesn't want David to fail. See, God wants everyone to succeed. But God is also aware that every occasion has its opportunity. And we need to understand that, that every occasion has its opportunity. And so David was successful in his attempt to trust God rather than in his flesh when we saw that in chapter 24. Remember, 
he was sitting there and Saul had to go to the bathroom. And there was those 600 men in the bathroom with Saul. And David, instead of killing him, when everybody's like, hey, this is your chance, bro. You can get him. God has delivered this guy into your hand. David cuts a piece of his robe and feels guilty. So what he did next with that one success, began, he began to trust in himself. Last week, chapter 25, right? He gets a little upset because he can't get some barbecue lamb. And so, you know, in, in chapter 24, he's like, Lord, I cut Saul's garment, and, and I was convicted. I repented, told Saul. He repented, and they rejoiced, and they both went their way. But sometimes after a spiritual success is what we talked about, some do not trust in the Lord after they, as much as they did before. Uh, sometimes we get these spiritual successes, and we're like, oh, cool, I got it. Uh, but when we look at the two pictures of chapter 24 and chapter 25, we see one was a giant thing, and one was a little smaller. And as we spoke last week, sometimes we really don't go to the Lord all the time for those little things. We go to him with the bigger things, and yet we think we can handle the smaller things, and that's where we tend to fail. So again, after a spiritual success, some do not trust in the Lord as they did before, and David didn't consult God when it came to chapter 25. And so Abigail gets in his face. And so God has us here this morning And the mornings pass that we might learn from these people that we see and that we read about in these scriptures. And if we don't learn from these people, then we will also repeat the mistakes and suffer the consequences. And a lot of times, I like to read the Bible, and I look at it, and I'm like, oh, cool, there's a lesson I can learn. Now I know how not to act in a similar situation. It's not going to be the exact. I don't have anyone chasing me trying to kill me. But I do have someone chasing me that prowls about like a roaring lion, and his name is Satan. So if we succeed, it will not be because we trust in ourselves. It'll be because we trust in God. And so verses 1 through 5 here tell us that David had been in Ziph already. And if you remember, these guys were the guys who betrayed him back in chapter 23. And so again, we go verse by verse through the Bible. And if you've been here at any time, you know the situation. So Saul comes stalking David again. And these guys, the Ziphites, are true to form. What do they do? They tattletale. They rat him out once again. The Ziphites cause a little turmoil. They open their mouth for whatever reason, and they start trouble. And there may be someone in your life that does that. You're at work. You're minding your own business, doing whatever. And then all of a sudden, here's somebody that comes up to another person maybe you have problems with, and they start to try to stir up some of those past problems. And those people will cause a problem for you. I had that happen this week. I had a friend call, and he said, hey, man, and he told me the situation about another person that I knew, and I was just like, man, that's horrible. But you know what I did? I tried to warn you of this person. Before he left, I tried to give you a warning, and you didn't heed the warning. And now what's happening to you is happening in the same, to you as it's happened in the other three places this person has been. So be careful. And so, you know, you have those things. And so this guy is like, well, you know, and I was like, I had to stop him. I'm like, hey. You know what? It's all good between me and him. We're good, but between you and him, it's not good. And so cut the ties. Get rid of that person. Make sure you let him know and keep those lines of communication open. And so you see that. There are people that have come in and they try to cause problems. They try to bring up these old past things. And so this guy kept on referring back to, well, he did this to you and then, and then, and then, and just going on and on. And I was like, look, I'm not going to take a stand against this person. It's you and him that have the problem. You need to go to him. That is my counsel to you. I I won't tell him what you said, but you need to go to him. And we ended the phone conversation that way. 
And so sometimes that's what happened. A, a, a spiritual man needs to know when to fight. And I'm glad I read this chapter because it really did guide me and direct me through this. Because that was one of my first points as this phone conversation happened. I was standing there or sitting there looking at my notes going, hey, know when to fight. Know when to fight. Because when I heard that, well, this guy said this and this about you, I was like, it's not that big of a deal. I don't care. I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And he can say whatever he wants. And so a spiritual man knows when to fight and when to back away. We've also learned what battles to fight, right? Last week we talked about what battles do we fight. And we go to the Lord and say, hey, Lord, which battle? you want me to fight this battle or is this this one you're going to do? So to do this, we need to know what battles we've been called to fight. We need to know what battles we've been called to fight. And that's between you and God. And not between you and somebody else to tell you which battles you're called to fight. Now, you might have a Christian brother that's standing with you and standing to fight. And hold your arms up in prayer, but, or maybe even be an armor bearer to say, okay, here, try this first. Try this first. But you can't have somebody tell you which battles to fight. So once you know that, then the question turns from when do I fight to how do I fight? How do I fight? And a lot of you are probably like, on your knees. And that, that's great. And that's awesome. That's where it starts. But sometimes it takes a little more than that. It takes an action. And because sometimes if you just stay on your knees too long... You can still get injured. First Samuel 24, it was a time to flee for David, a time to retreat. <clears throat> now Saul is after David, and David has been called to fight. He's actually moving forward, and it's called a divine direction that he gets from God. And at times you may have God tell you to retreat or go forward, and it should happen in your heart. This should really happen in your heart. And so if you look at verse 6 with me, the first portion of it says, Then David answered and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Abishai, the son of Zerah, brother of Joab, saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So here we see a true leader. We see a true leader. David asked the question, who's going to go with me? Now, what's the difference between a true leader and a dictator? Well, a true leader says, let's go. And a dictator will say and point to someone and say, you go. And so here we see a true leader. A true leader, true leader doesn't ask you to go where he hasn't gone before. And we have a true leader in Jesus Christ. Jesus, our true leader, never asks us to go where he hasn't already been. And he even makes that journey with you. And so David and Abishai go down into the camp. Look at verse 7. I mean, uh, verse 7, yes. Yeah. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people lay all around him. And so here again, um, we can see Abishai just kind of standing there. And in verse 8, he says, Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with a spear right to the earth, and I'll not have to strike him a second time. So this is a true friend. He probably understands the situation because he was with David the last time in the cave. And David's like, man, here's Saul. I'm right behind him. I can lop off his head or stab him in the back. And they're whispering to him. And we see that it's almost the same thing. The Lord has delivered Saul into your hands. And this time Abishai's like, but I know you're a man of convictions, David. I know who you are. So guess what? I'll do it for you. So there won't be blood on your hand. And we saw this, and obviously this is a good friend because he paid attention to what Abigail said. You don't want to kill this fool over here last chapter, last week. 
you don't want to kill this fool over here because you know you're about to make a political move and you don't want that kind of blood on your hands. And so here we see Abishai, a good friend, saying, okay, cool, Dave, yeah, that's me. you and I will go. And we're in the camp, and here's opportunity with Saul sleeping. And he's like, man, I can pin this guy's head to the ground. There's an opportunity for David again to get rid of his enemy. And so Abishai's like, dude, I got him. I can pin his head to the ground. I can do it, Dave. Just give me the word. Just say so. And it would seem a second time God had given David an opportunity to get rid of his enemy. A second time. I don't think it was an opportunity as much as it was a test. I think it's more of a test for David to prove whether he would take things into his own hands or whether he would wait upon the Lord. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you and I might see things and be like, man, this is the second time this is happening. Obviously, God wants me to do it. Be very careful with that logic. Just because something happens twice and it seems like it's the right thing to do, be careful that you don't act upon it. Because here you would, I mean, this is a perfect example. Two times David has opportunity to kill his enemy. Twice. And, and be careful of the people who counsel you. Well, hey, bro, you know, it's happened twice. Go for it. Go for it. I've known people that have been counseled, and it sounds like great counsel. Like, well, what could possibly go wrong? And something goes wrong. I know somebody right now where something's going wrong. And they've been counseled by somebody to, to move forward in that direction. you're like, wow, really? And so how's that working for you now? Oh, man, I'm hating life. See, so David has a second opportunity to get rid of his enemy. But I think it's more of a test to see if he's going to wait upon the Lord. And so God says, hey, you know what? Here you go. Here's this test. Abishai says, this is a no-brainer, David. This is real simple. And we can look at it that way too. And so, and that's the way he looks at it. You're a man of conviction, David. And two chapters ago, you didn't take his life. And so now we're here. We have another chance. Let's go for it. And some would go for it. And, and God has done this twice. I need, I need to take this opportunity, David. I'm going to help you out. And David knows he shouldn't wrestle with God's will. And neither should we. Well, we can ask, but we shouldn't really wrestle with God's will. We see the patience and the restraint that David showed in chapter 24, but this time it seems to be a deeper patience. It seems to be a little deeper and, and more informed restraint. Because this time he doesn't even cut the garment. But what he does do, which I think is cool, is David learned something in his near fiasco with the fool in chapter 25. He saw how God struck down Nabal so that he had died. Remember, he was like, man, you know, this Abigail, she's a pretty hot-looking chick, and, and Lord, I, man, I like her. And then we see that God kills her husband, and David moves in, and they get married. And so David's thinking, well, you know what? I saw how God worked last chapter, and he can work that way in this chapter. He can actually do that this time. God can take care of Saul just like he did Nabal. And so he, he's willing to wait. God can be trusted to handle both fools and oppressors when we leave these matters into his hands. But we've got to be willing to listen to hear him say what he's saying and then to act when he tells us to act. Abishai said, look, I'll do the killing. Just give me the word. Why not? No blood on your hands, Dave. And so it's going to be on someone else's. I'll do all the dirty work. So why not? Why wouldn't David allow this to happen when you really think about it? it? Makes perfect sense. Well, it's not me. It's not me. But David says, you know what? It would be wrong. It would be wrong. See, I think a lot of times we look at it and we're like, 
We don't do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. Well, we just kind of not do something. But David says it's going to be wrong if we do this. Look at verse 9. It says, but David said to Abishai, do not destroy him for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. Underline that word guiltless. Just underline it or highlight it, whatever you're doing. If you're taking notes, write it down in your notes, guiltless. Verse 10, and David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him or his day shall come to die or he shall go out to battle and perish. So David weighs his options here a little bit. He's like, okay, here's the deal. A couple of things could happen to this guy, Saul. I really don't have to even put forth much effort until God tells me to. So some would go for it, but David doesn't. A spiritual man, if you're taking notes and you're going to write this down, it says a spiritual man knows that guilt makes you feel guilty. That's a no-brainer. That's real simple. Guilt makes you feel guilty. And I know this isn't very deep. Webster's defines guilt as the fact of being responsible for the, com, the, the commission of an offense. You're responsible for the commission of an offense is what Webster says. But also laying in there next to it is a burden, something heavy. See, guilt will weigh on you. Guilt will weigh on you. You knew the right thing to do and, well, you just didn't do it. <clears throat> so David kind of backtracks, and this is good to do often, it's a backtrack and remember. Hmm. Last time I did something kind of like this, I felt real guilty. And though I confessed and I admitted and I did all the right stuff, man, every time I think about that, I feel a little guilty. And not that God holds you guilty, but yeah, you know what? It, there's a little bit like, man, I just wish I didn't do it. Because you can't go back and regain that. It's kind of like plucking a chicken. You pull all the feathers out of a chicken, it's impossible to put them back in. And so that chicken just has to suffer. And if it's your show bird, well, you have to suffer with them because you're not going to win. But what happens here, that guilt's going to weigh on you. And so we could kill him is what David's thinking. Man, we could kill this guy, but the guilt would kill me. The guilt's going to kill me is what David's thinking. So Satan tries to convince us to sin by saying, hey, after you do this thing or while you're doing this thing, you're going to feel great. And man, I, honestly... I think we all agree, sin is fun. Sin is a lot of fun. It's just what makes it no fun is the guilt afterwards. And so I know as a Christian, after you sin, you don't feel good. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn you, but he convicts after the fact sometimes. So David reasons that God can cause Saul to die in battle. He says, man, you know, Saul can die in battle. Or by any other means. Any other means that God chooses. Because God does all things well, right? He does all things well. And I don't have to deal with it. And David understands this lesson. Look at verse 11. And it says, The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please, take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head and they got away. And no man saw or knew of it or awoke. For they were all asleep because... A deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Now David went over to the other side and stood on top of a hill afar off, a great distance being between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to, the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? 
Why then have you not guarded your Lord, the king? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord, the king. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now you see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. This is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. One of my favorite passages of the Bible right here. This is classic God. I mean, this is, you know God has a sense of humor when you see this. It's like God's playing a practical joke on Saul. And he uses David as the instrument. So God's like, Dave, bro, I don't know what, and I do know that you want to kill Saul, but I don't want you to kill him. And, and I don't want you to kill him. So David's like, okay, cool. I want what you want, God. I don't want to kill him either. And so, but if you really want to have a little fun, Dave, take his spear and his little thermos jug of water, right? He's got his little twist-off cap, probably drinking, you know, like some of those little outdoorsy. You know, and those are the people that amaze me. They live in the city, and they got these, like, hiking things all the time. And but it's just a bottle of water. And so Saul, you know, being who he is, has got a spear next to his head, his little jug of water. And it's the perfect picture of David taking from Saul his strength, which would be his spear, and his sustenance, which would be his water. His strength and his sustenance. See, it's kind of like God saying, hey man, when you're not connected to me, you don't have those things. And we as Christians, when we're not connected to God, and maybe, oh, you forget for a month or two to come to church, have your quiet time, read your Bible, think about God, pray. Hey, you're probably not really connected. Like when we unplug these lights, we unplug them and they don't turn on by themselves. You have no power source. And then to keep those lights running, they have to stay connected because you can't just plug them in for a minute and then unplug it. And even a battery, you can say, well, yeah, if you hooked them up to battery packs, they would last. But not very long because, again, you've got to recharge the battery. And so there are those things that happen. When you're not connected to God, you're not going to have the strength or the sustenance. So what do you expect to do without God? It's the same thing that God's asking Saul in a roundabout way. It's like, what do you expect to do without me, Saul? See, and Jesus even said it in the New Testament. Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. Apart from me, you can't do anything. Just like he gives the illustration of the vine. You break a vine off of the branch, it'll die. This week, I, I cut a tree limb. I did it by hand. It was pretty big, and I was so tired, my arms quit working, and so I had to jump. I was doing it over my head, so I just held my arms stiff, and I started jumping so I could continue to saw. And luckily, nobody was watching because they are like, look, that guy's having his own little concert out there. But I'm like, I got this saw in my hand. I'm just jumping up and down because my guys had all the chainsaws. And so I finally got this branch down. But I was amazed that the next day, what I had seen is that all the leaves had turned very quickly brown. The people we meet in the book of 1 Samuel are quite the characters. We meet a woman who gave her only child to God and a boy who heard and answered the call of the Lord. We also find a frightened king and a brave shepherd boy, both of whom would lead the people of Israel. Through each of these people and circumstances, we discover God's hand at work in powerful ways. We are so glad you tuned in today to Come Alive. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or iTunes to keep up to date with the latest from Come Alive and the church behind it. Calvary Chapel Katy is led by Pastor Mark Martinez and a staff of Jesus-loving, friendly people who do all we can to spread the good news of the gospel to all who walk through our doors. 
you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you. We'd absolutely love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Katy for our Sunday morning service. We're now meeting at Wood Creek Elementary School, located at 1155 Wood Creek Bend Lane. It's exciting to be in a new space, and we hope you're able to come worship the Savior and study the Bible with us, filling our new home with praise and prayer. Give us a call for more information and directions, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. That's 281-391-5503. Thanks for listening today to Come Alive.